Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am, I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and joining me as he does every Monday, Lindsey Crosby, the Auburn banker himself, a little money Monday action. How are you, bud? I am okay. Uh, I have to tell you that um, that was not very cash money of the Auburn bankers of the, <laughs> of the, the Auburn, Auburn Tigers team. on yeah, Saturday. It was a disaster. I mean, that was a really ugly football game. And even yeah. if they had won it, it'd be like, cool, I'm glad we won. But, oh my gosh, that, 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 was, a, that was a rough game for our eyeballs. Um, looking at the stats here, as we record this early Sunday morning, and with the exception of Bo Nix's pass attempts, the stats just look like it's halftime. Because yeah. there's not a whole lot of yards to be had there. But I guess we'll start with the offense. Um, total disaster other than like one drive late in the first quarter, you score three points and then you don't score three points again. And it's not for, uh, the lack of defense giving you great field position. I mean, they started several drives around the 50 yard line and normally up to the season, you'd be like, okay, Auburn's at least going to get three out of this. There was one drive where they probably should have gotten three and Anders missed, uh, missed the field goal. He's perfectly capable of, of making, but, uh, a lot of people putting it all on Bo Nix. I don't think that is fair. I don't think it's accurate. Was Bo Nix good Saturday? No, he was not. But neither was the offensive line, and neither were the wide receivers. I actually thought the running backs played fine. So the uh, you know the whole like let's blame everything on one person. Let's don't do that. We're not doing that here. Uh, I'm by the time this goes up, I will have the takeaways article written and put up on AuburnWire.com. And my second point for uh, in that Lindsay is that. Auburn has to hit the transfer portal hard for offensive linemen this summer because it's clear to me, and tell me if you think this logic is flawed, but if Auburn had their future plans at offensive line already, we would have seen them at some point this season. Don't you think? I mean, there would be enough warrant to put them in the football game, and they're not really putting other guys in. It's all upperclassmen. And I think that's an issue. I think that's something you have to fix this summer. A lot of people surprised, myself included, that they didn't go after more offensive linemen this past offseason. But maybe he just wanted to see what he had. I, I, I don't know. But that was a huge issue. And whenever Auburn plays a good defensive front, you see this happen. The other time was against Georgia. Now, fortunately, they're not playing another defensive front that good this season. Maybe Mississippi State. Maybe Alabama, but but those are at home, and we see this team respond differently. I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue moving forward, but um, that's something you got to fix before next season starts. Yeah, if you had better offensive linemen, they would have played. The only argument that I would accept as far as the future of the offensive line would be if you think Garner Langlow has the talent but just hasn't had the physical maturity of a year in it in a college weight room to contribute sure. where why he wouldn't play this season, but would be a key part next year. Other than that. Yeah. If you had a better option at line, you would have played that better option. So, so think about how good this line is now or not good now. Uh-huh. And then think about what's going to happen when a bunch of these guys graduate and leave. And we'll probably see one or two of them 
uh, use their super senior eligibility, uh, you know, because maybe they uh, either they think they're a fringe NFL prospect, which if they do, tough story, tough, tough lesson to learn there. But maybe they just really enjoy playing college football and want to get one more shot, want to go get a free master's degree, that kind of thing. So, yeah, sure. So it, it's hard to think about the future of the offensive line and be comfortable with it. We're definitely going to have to go again, like you said, portal hard, go find some guys, but did you just use offense, portal as a verb? We're going to have to go to the portal and get guys. No, you just use, no, I like it. We can portal this up. That's fine. We yeah. got to portal the offensive line. Let's portal this. Let's portal this. <laughs> Listen, if there's a, if the, uh, if the grammar police, try to find me for that. I'm good for it. I don't care. No, that's, that's money well spent. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So, so definitely go in there. Got to find some more offensive linemen. Uh, and you could see that was the issue yesterday. Yes, Bo didn't play well. Yes, the receivers didn't get separation. But it all came back to the offensive line. You mentioned the, like, the running backs played fine. But the running game wasn't fine because of the struggles of the offensive line. Front of the pod, Justin Ferguson, in his uh, observations article that came out late last night, or this morning, it's all blur. Um, shout out Frisky Whiskey for that. Uh, said that like 44% of our runs went for less than two yards. 44% of our runs went for four yards or more. Wow. Didn't have a single explosive run at all. So 15 yards. Which essentially, uh, that, is a, that is a wasted play. Yes. When you combine so, all of those with the drops, I mean, just a lot of lot of snaps where it's like that did nothing. That there was no yeah. production there whatsoever. We gave away a down, and for it we got nothing. You know, and that's a you always see that you know that that calculus. That's why defenses like that's why the draw play works so well in third and long because they give up the yards for a down and it's fourth down. Mm -hmm. And we had too many opportunities where we got behind the change and we got off pace because we did a run play for one yard or. We threw the, you know, we went for a pass attempt and receiver didn't get separation and it was incomplete. And now it's second and 10. All you did is trade a, is trade a down for nothing. So we're going to see this problem going forward when you play a good team with a good line. Uh, and I, I don't really know how you fix it. I don't really know what we do in this case. Right. But is this line good enough to win the rest of the football games? And it might be. It might be. I, I think the offensive line for Auburn is better than the offensive line at LSU, and LSU must be in Alabama uh, Saturday night. Yeah, I have a theory about this. And according to you, we no longer say Alabama's vulnerable, and I'm not going to say that. But I've noticed a difference when you play, because there's it's not about the X's and O's, it's about the Jims and Joes, which you always hear. So there's good talent, there's good coaching, which includes play calling. Sure. And then there is a good team. So, like, Alabama right now doesn't look like they're a good team. They have good talent, and they have good coaching, but it's 11 guys trying to win matchups, and the talent's good enough where they're winning 10 of those matchups. Yeah. Maybe even all 11. And when you see a team with good coaching and good talent who is a good team, like when Texas A&M beat Alabama, they can overcome that. I think we're a good team. I think we have good coaching. Our talent isn't as good as some of these teams, but it's in the same stratosphere. Uh, offensive line is probably the biggest gap between some of, the, some of these other teams. But when you have a good coaching, including play calling, and you have a good team, you can make up the difference on another team that doesn't have all three of those. Right now, 
Alabama doesn't have all three of those. Mississippi State doesn't have all three of those. South Carolina definitely doesn't have all three of those. So the games are winnable. But like you see the Georgia game, you see the AM game, a team has good talent, good coaching, and they're a good team, and we got blown out of the water. So I'm just trying to are behind us. No, I, I get that. I get that for sure, and I agree. The I'm having a hard time trying to figure out like what level of freak out Auburn fans need to have? Because the vast majority of Auburn fans, at least the ones on the internet, are very upset. And that's fine. You can be upset. Yes. It was not a good game. game. You, scored, you scored three points. But is that who we are? Like, I don't think it is. Like, I don't think this offense is an offense that's going to score three points a game, especially over the last few weeks. They may score three points a game against teams where they are not as good in the trenches, but there's only one of those left on this, the, this schedule. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, is this an eight and four team? Probably, it's probably an eight and four team. But maybe you can steal something at the Iron Bowl at the end of the year, and that'd be incredible. But um, and then if you go nine and three with a win in the Iron Bowl, all of a sudden it's like, you know what? That was a pretty good season. That was a pretty good season. Yeah. I, I just people coming after Bobo, and I was all for going after Bobo after Penn State. But ever since then, he really redeemed himself. And just looking at the game Saturday. It didn't really feel like game plan was the issue. It felt like no. uh, you know. It felt like a lot of it was execution. That a lot of it was just like yo, and it wants to win this game way more than Auburn does. Um, now, how much of that is coaching that trickles down into you know making sure players are motivated and make sure they execute? A lot of it. So I I one hundred percent get that. But Mike Bobo's not going anywhere. Like, let's just go ahead and get like if you're listening to this and you hate Mike Bobo, which a lot of you do. Mentally get ready for him to still be at Auburn next year. I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah, this was the perfect storm of a team that had better talent than us, that had really good coaching, and had that cohesiveness. You're done with those. All Those are gone. You, It was Georgia. It was A&M. And then I'd argue Penn State, if Penn State was a neutral site game or was even just played now, right. that game would look different. Totally. And so you've gotten past those games. So everything else from here out on out has to be winnable, but understanding Alabama does have better talent than you. They have probably probably 10 of their 11 players are better than 10 of your 11 players with the exception of maybe Tank Bigsby on offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than that, every guy is better than yours. So that's going to happen. But, I mean, all credit to Texas A&M. They, um, they, obviously, they used the bye. They used that extra week like we talked about. They used that extra week to look and see what Auburn was going to do, mm-hmm. figure out a game plan to just let them – not get comfortable. And John Samuel Schenker had quotes after the game. He said, like, they just kept mixing up their looks and we could never really get an idea of what they were doing in certain situations. Like, we just, we didn't know what to expect because they kept doing different things. And that's something you don't put into your game plan over three days. Mm-hmm. You do that over a week and a half of of film study and practice and review. So shout out to them. That bye week ended yeah, they up. They used their bye week. Absolutely. And we saw Auburn benefit from that bye week against Ole Miss last week. It's just this is part of it. It's how the schedule falls. But yeah. Um, all right. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Prize Picks is the leader in college sports daily fantasy. It's a ton of fun. They've got all kinds of different um, you know, props and all kinds of different uh i mean you you can play fantasy if you want to do the fantasy stuff you can just do raw output as far as yards and touches and touchdowns and all that if you want um but yeah check it out and with college basketball here and upon us be sure to check out prize picks you'll have something going on 
every single night. Go to prizepicks.com, use promo code Locked On. You'll get a deposit match up to $100. You got to love that. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com, use promo code Locked On, or go to the App Store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And if folks wonder, why aren't we talking about Auburn basketball? Uh, Mondays at 6 o'clock Central Time, we will put up our weekly Auburn basketball show. We'll have Coach Pruitt and Zepp Jasper on every single week, as well as just kind of talk uh, talk about what happened over the weekend. So that'll be at 6 o'clock on the YouTube uh, channel, as well as um, in your podcast feed. So 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Central Time. There you go. There you go. Lots to talk about from what happened Friday night, too. And also, Zepp Jasper was the best player on the floor. Uh, am I biased a little bit? Sure, absolutely, but he was fantastic. Um, all right, let's talk about the defense. The defense played um, played a really good game, and I think we saw some unfamiliar names or not as familiar names really step up to the plate. Ladarius Tennyson stepped up. I thought he was really, really impressive. He was second on the team in tackles, um, eight mm-hmm. total tackles. Um, he only had one tackle for a loss. It feels like he had more than that. Donovan Kaufman, I feel like we saw a lot more of him. He was around the football a lot more than normal. Um, I think some of that was him giving up catches, but still. And then Forced a huge fumble. Yep, he did. Absolutely. And then, you know, Zacoby, uh, Zacoby normally has double-digit tackles. He only had four, but I think a lot of that was game plan. A lot of that was uh, the defensive backs around the football a lot because they were playing them closer to the line of scrimmage, which is what we predicted. Playing guys close to the line of scrimmage um, to, to make – to make Calzone beat you with his arm. And at times he did. He didn't really. There's a few people coming at us afterwards, and it's like, no, no, he's not good. <laughs> like He scored 13 points. You know, the A&M offense scored 13 points, but it was um, it was a lot more than, than what Auburn was able to score on Saturday. He was 15 to 29 for 192. So Calzone didn't beat you. No, he didn't. Um, he also learned that uh, maybe don't take on a defensive player, sh- you know, shoulder and head first. Um, that was kind of funny, but no, it was Auburn's defense played fantastic. I mean, they played well. And the thing that I struggle with is I threw out last night in our discord, uh, you know, Auburn lost in all three phases mm-hmm. and people re- immediately got on me and they're like, Hey, no, the defense won. I'm like, no, the defense passed. The defense did really well. If you're doing a one to 10 score, because you don't score on a one to five scale, it's just dumb. No. If you do a one to 10 scale, you know, the defense was a good, solid seven or eight, but Texas A&M's defense was a nine. So I'm fine with you giving them a 10. I mean, they allowed yeah. three points. That's a good point. Okay. So yeah. So three like, points, your, your defense passed, but their defense did well. It's like when you're in college and you take that exam, that really tough exam and you thought you did really well, you got like an 82 yeah. and you're like this curve, I'm going to kill it. And then somebody in the class got like a 97 mm-hmm. and just ruined the curve for everybody. Right. That's what happened. Most games, this defense is more than enough to win the game. This one, it was not. And really, we just didn't see any sort of pressure on Calzada. We didn't really see him. Uh, we didn't record a sack. 
We had very few tackles for loss. I want to say we had four total tackles for loss. And it just felt like Calzada had time to sit back there, you know, and like let it bake in the oven yeah. before he threw it out with some sauce on it. I mean, yep. he had let all those flavors of kind of melt together in, um, in you know, the, the, the coal fire oven at, uh, at Baumhauer's. Baumhauer's. Yep. Yep. No, the, the defense was fine, especially like you said, no pass rush whatsoever. And. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I talked about that last week. It's like, I don't think Auburn's going to get home on them, and, and they didn't. But they did. That's okay. That's okay. I, I think moving forward, they should be able to, with the exception of Alabama. Um, we'll see. And they'll have a lot of opportunities to get after the quarterback against Mississippi State. The, the interesting thing I'm now looking at is, do you change what you do as far as generating pass rush? Do you blitz a little bit more if you're Derek Mason? Do you kind of keep guys back against Mississippi State? That's um that's gonna be interesting to see how they game plan against this you know unique offense in the conference. So as somebody with a little bit of experience with the air raid, um, oh. I don't <laughs> okay. I don't think I don't think you're gonna blitz on the air raid because so much of what your receivers do is predicated on finding the opening like finding the open spots in the zone and sitting down and getting the ball. There's so many option routes in an, a true air raid offense. And given that this is now his second year there, you feel like they've had time to institute a lot of that. So to me, you try to get your best pass rushing group out there. You try to send four and have seven in coverage or six in coverage with a spy on Will Rogers. And you try to, you you don't, don't give them extra opportunities to get the ball out where there's not somebody covering the back. Um, at the same time, if you've gone this long and you haven't changed up what you're doing on defense, are you going to change it now? You're no. two thirds of the way through the season. If you have, if you haven't started blitzing a lot more, why would you start now? I yeah. feel like this is who Derek Mason is. This is what the defense he wants to run, and he's either going to get better talent for it or he's going to run it at eighty percent strength the entire time. But also, so, if we, we have to ask the question, Lindsay: Like, is the defense does the defense need some massive overhaul? Because over the last few weeks, the defense has been great. Including yeah. Saturday. I mean, the yeah. defense did what it should have done. Auburn should have been able to score 14 points. They should have been able yeah. to. And I mean, the the fact of the matter is the offense, the offense allowed more points than they were able to score because Bo Nix just dropped the football. I mean, mm-hmm. what in the world was that? The play before they, they set up this awesome, you know, reverse flea flicker type thing. And he dropped that. And props to him to, you know, getting the ball back and, and throwing it away. That was fine. That's definitely what you do in that situation. It came back to him a little high. You kind of want that to be chest high, not head high. But it hit his hands, and that's kind of the rule we always – it hits your hands. Yeah, you gotta I mean, he it. hits his re- – like, when he throws it to his receivers, normally they have to adjust, you know, return the favor yeah. a little bit. And then yeah. and then the next play, he, he just flat out dropped it. It's like, what is going on? What was that? To me, it really felt like – Bo was starting to feel the pressure yeah. of we're not getting anything going against this offense. Or right. sorry, against this defense. Right, right, right. And so I have an opportunity, and he kind of went into hero ball mode a bit, and our offensive line couldn't keep up and couldn't give him the time for the hero ball thing to work out. Like he was, he was just it, he got to the point where he started to try a little too hard. That's why you saw the fumble. He's trying to, I mean, we saw multiple times. He's trying to spin away from defenders and he keeps losing ground. And yep. I think he got sacked once. It was like tw- like a 20 yard sack. Cause he kept, he kept reversing field trying to get away. And so at a certain point, 
I'm not necessarily blaming him fully for some of those struggles because he was forced into that position by the poor performance of the offense around him. Sure. But he definitely didn't have his best game. He definitely, I mean, even earlier in the game when it was still close, a lot of the balls that were coming out were not not as accurate as we've seen from recent Bo Nicks. It mm-hmm. looked like the old Bo Nicks and not the new Bo Nicks. So frustrating. What did you think about him kind of getting after some of his receivers for lining up wrong and, you know, all of that? I, I liked it. I like seeing it. You then have to back it up. You don't need to just drop the football afterwards, but uh, I think you lose some credibility there. But I love the whole, let's let's demand excellence here. Let's get after this. Yeah. I, I, I mean, love that. If we're going to fire a wide receivers coach because the guys weren't getting lined up correctly, then I think there's been recognition and there's been conversation around the program that this is an issue we need to fix. And so Bo Nix getting angry at a wide receiver, it's like, hey, We've talked about this. Where are this is this game is already hard enough without you doing this wrong. So mm-hmm. I'm fine with it, provided that it doesn't become a recurring thing. Right. You know, you don't like I don't want Bo to be known as the guy who yells at his teammates all the time. Sure. But I understand in this situation the frustrations mounting for everyone. And that's kind of a reminder, hey, you have to lock in. We have to get this. Like we can't afford to take a procedure penalty here when we're already struggling to do anything. I, I'm fine with it. I get it. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. They're rotating in a bunch of new flavors on their website, built.com. Most of them limited a time, a limited uh, amount of time. So be sure to, to jump on that if it's a flavor that excites you. But if you haven't had a Built Bar by now and you've been listening to the show for a while, Go ahead and try it. They they are delicious. They uh, they taste like a candy bar, but you look at the label and it's good for you. All uh, very high in protein, very low in calories. I love that you can have one for a snack or for breakfast or something. It actually keeps you full. Most of the time when you eat some of those things, you're like hungry an hour and a half later. So um, be sure to check it out. Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Lindsay, we've got a few minutes left. Um, they went with Sean Shivers a lot more in this game than they have the previous few games. Uh, I think he led Auburn. Let me, I'm double checking this. Yeah, he led Auburn in receptions. He had he went six for forty. Um, and then he also had three carries. So I mean, nine touches for Sean Shivers. That's more than what we've seen in the past. Uh, the past few weeks. What do you think was up with that? So part of it, there's probably a couple aspects there. I think one is they seem pretty comfortable in Sean Shivers as a pass blocking back. And so I think having him in in a situation where he can block or he can run, you know, go out, catch a pass, um, probably a little bit also of Jarquez Hunter has never played a college season before. And you have to think at this point in time in the season, the 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 touches and the extra physicality of an, an SEC schedule versus a high school schedule are starting to, to, to add up on him. And whenever you're playing a team that's better than you, I think there's kind of like an inherent bias of you want to go with the veteran who's dealt with it before, mm-hmm. who's experienced it, versus throwing in a, a rookie, a young guy, to try it for the first time. You know, And, and so Jarquez Hunter finished with, I think, with four total touches. Uh, he had four carries, 18 yards. And I, it kind of felt to me like one of those, all right, we have to be careful here because we can't afford a mistake. So let's go with the veteran 
who's done this before, who's seen this, who's not going to be intimidated by the physicality of the linebacker mm-hmm. or intimidated by the speed of the defensive back or the size of the defensive lineman. Let's go with him over the rookie, who we've already given a lot of touches to for an 18-year-old sure. in the SEC West. So I, I I don't think it's anything more than that. I think it's just a, it's a matchup thing. It's a time of season thing. If this game's played week two, maybe you do see more Jarquez Hunter. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I, I get that. The way that you Shivers is interesting, though, because sometimes he's a power back. Sometimes he's the gadget speed guy. Sometimes he's just the third down back that does a little bit of everything, including pass blocking or, you know, the swing passes. And I think that's great. We saw a lot of that against LSU when Auburn played LSU mm-hmm. earlier in the year, and it was great. It was kind of the coming out party for Shivers in that role. And then against Georgia, you know, you didn't really see it. And then, you know, you kind of saw him phase out and go more with, with Bigsby and Hunter moving forward, but there was a play where like Shivers was the fullback. It was like the lead blocker and like that didn't work. That didn't work at all. Yeah. And so like, I, I, I just, I wonder why, I wonder why they wanted him to go with that role in this game. I think a little bit may have been, they knew that Texas A&M like physically could match up with Auburn. And so you got to have a guy, Sean Shivers is a guy, and you touched on it. He can do some of everything. He can catch passes. He can run the ball up the middle. He can run the ball out wide. And so when you have him on the field, it's just one extra thing for a defensive player to think about. Yep. And so the thought process is maybe somebody takes a step the wrong direction because they're expecting Sean Shivers on a dive. They're expecting him to flare out towards the flat like he could catch a pass on a run-pass option or something. So may have been a little bit of, trying to get them off balance or off alignment and obviously didn't work, but sure. uh, That's always a possibility as well is you don't want to telegraph what you're doing. And so let's take the guy who can do some of everything. Let's have him be on the field more often so that we can create that, create that little bit of uncertainty. And it wasn't enough uncertainty for Texas A&M. They, uh, they handled that offense pretty well. They were all over it. They were all over for sure. The wide receivers. um, I mean, our, our guy, Kobe Hudson had a really tough game. Yesterday, but he he was targeted five times. He only caught it once. Like that's not a great thing. Demetrius Robertson was targeted four times. He only had one catch. Um, Shedrick Jackson was thrown at eight times. He only caught it twice. I mean, just a lot of wasted wasted downs, and you mm-hmm. can't have that when you're only scoring three points. Three points, Lindsay. That is just long- that's terrible. Yeah, the longest play from scrimmage was a 15-yard pass to tight end Luke Deal up the seam, which was a beautiful pass. It was a it was beautiful b- ball yep. thrown right at the back of his helmet. He made a great adjustment to get it. But when your longest pass is a 15-yard t- pass to a tight end, your longest play, 15-yard pass to a tight end, you, uh, you're you in for a rough day, and we definitely were. Um, it's one of those – the receivers – I'm excited for the prospect of being able to tell recruits that like you can come in and compete for immediate playing time mm-hmm. because we have a lot of guys and all of our guys compared to some of the upper the upper echelon guys in the SEC, they all feel like they're a step slower, they're a little bit smaller, and they're just not getting the separation that you see when you watch an Alabama play, when you watch an AM play, when you watch Penn right. State play. You're just not you're, they're not getting that separation. They can get schemed open against a defense that's not fundamentally sound. Mm-hmm. But when you play a defense that's good in all three phases, both both personnel and coaching and cohesiveness, um, it's just not happening. And so the prospect of immediate playing time has to feel good to some of these recruits because we need an impact receiver. I wonder how many of these guys are leaving after this season. I wonder if they're like, yeah, 
I, I'm done here. This isn't working out. And they try to go somewhere else. Uh, I, I'm interested to seeing that really across the board, but especially at like yeah. the wide receiver spot. Um, because you got a feeling Harson's going to go after a bunch of dudes. And, and Auburn's got some some uh, some rising, you know, true freshmen coming in in this class that yeah. may be able to make an impact because they're going to be Harson's guys and not, you know, guys that you throw to eight times and you catch it once. Like that's like Shedrick Jackson. I don't know what his deal is. And I like Shedrick Jackson a bunch, but that dude falls down every play. Like, why is he, he's never, when you see him post-snap, he is never standing up, and I don't understand it. Is it his cleats? Get some better cleats. Get some better cleats. Listen, Dana, get him some better cleats. How does that happen? I don't get it. He falls down every time, Lindsey. I think it kind of feels like he's trying to play a role that he's not suited out for. He's a little bit of a slower possession guy. It doesn't feel like he's that quick break, you know, in and out of the break quickly to you know to make a move on a defensive back and get open. And he's trying to do that, and he's physically not suited for that. Uh, we saw a lot last offseason was the offseason the defensive transfer. I really think this offseason is going to be the offseason of the offensive transfer. Harson had a year to evaluate who's on this roster to see how well they play, how well they can fit in the roles that he has for them. And I think you're going to see a lot of incoming transfers, probably more so on offense than defense this year. Derek Mason has his defense set up. He's keeping most of those pieces. Is now he? we're going to see. Let's see. He's losing Zacoby. He's losing. He's keeping s- enough. He's losing Smoke. He will lose. Wooten. Yeah, he'll lose Wooten. He'll Kelly lose Fair. Wooden. He'll lose Fair. He'll lose McCreary. He's brought in enough depth where Knighton. he can make it work. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to get some guys. but They're going to have to get some guys, but he's brought enough depth. But offensively, no, I think you're, you're right. places where Harson can bring in guys. You're right. And on the defense, like, you can, with the exception of corner, and it may be Jalen Simpson, he, he, he looked really good on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Like, and, like, Roe Torrance. So, like, on defense, there's guys at all those positions where you're like, okay, this guy's probably going to step up next. Like, Lee Hunter is going to have a bigger role in the defensive front next year. And I think you still keep Marcus Harris. So, like, those guys are going to be fine. Um, and then maybe a Brooks can can, can come along in his development as you know a, a redshirt freshman or something like that. Joko Willis, yeah. I mean, there's got sure. there's bodies there. Whereas offense, there's there, not there's a lot not. of bodies there. You're right that you haven't already tried. You're right. You're absolutely right. So, um, yeah, you probably will see more in the transfer portal. So that's exciting. That's exciting because man, this offense needs a makeover for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Lindsey, where can people find you? Hear you all that good stuff. I am at Auburn Banker on the socials and our Discord, and you can check me out 7 to 9, Monday through Friday, on News Talk W-A-N-I. Yes. If you're watching on YouTube, please uh, like the video and subscribe. Helps uh, helps the channel out a ton. And don't forget, every Monday for the rest of the basketball season, 6 o'clock Central Time, we'll have our weekly Auburn basketball special with uh, Zeph Jasper and... Uh, Auburn basketball's uh, Chad Pruitt. So be sure to check that out every single week. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn.